The gospel lesson for this morning comes from the gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter, beginning with verse 46. So listen now for the word of God. They came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he cried out even more loudly, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And so they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do? And the blind man said, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, heavenly dove, with all thy quickening power. Come, shed abroad a Savior's love that it may kindle ours. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I uh, walked into the sanctuary early this morning, as I do every Sunday morning, and I was grateful, relieved maybe, that our angel banners hadn't flown the coop quite yet. We spent four weeks in December waiting with anxious anticipation for the birth of Jesus because the whole Advent season, right, is about waiting and watching for God to draw near to us. And then Christmas Eve arrives. That moment of anticipation is finally here. God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us, is literally with us. New life is right before our very eyes. And every year we get to celebrate the miracle of Christmas that God came to earth and chose to be like us. And the angels sing, and we sing, and it is beautiful and mysterious and holy. And just like that, the holiday's over, and it's January. And even though there are a few decorations in the sanctuary for this one last Sunday, I don't know if you have noticed, but the rest of the world has moved on. Life is uh, back to normal, whatever normal is. The God that was visible in manger scenes and front yards and Christmas lights on houses and music on the radio has faded. The kids are back to school, thanks, thanks be to God. 
And all those projects that you put off until January and said, I'll circle back to them in the new year, they've come to roost. The stores have removed all evidence that Christmas ever happened. I uh, am ashamed to admit that I was in Target on Christmas Eve, and if you were in Target on Christmas Eve, you know that it was time for Valentine's Day. <laughs> so the question is, now what? One of the gifts of Christmas is that we all join together to give ourselves all of these visual reminders that God is coming. The promise of God is right before our very eyes every day, the whole month, in candles and angel ornaments and hymns we know by heart. But then we put all of those decorations back in the box until next year, and what we're left with is faith, a trust that God is always drawing near to us whether the tinsel is hanging or not. Of all the ways that God could choose to be in relationship with us, God chose to be born among us as Jesus the Christ, the Word made flesh. And just like the Christmas season ends, Jesus doesn't stay a baby forever. He grows up and studies in the temple and is baptized, as Amanda reminded us this morning. He becomes a teacher and a healer, and people recognize him as the Messiah. He pays attention to the brokenhearted and the afflicted. He shows the depth of God's love with every step of his life. God comes to us in a way that we can see and touch and hear and embrace. God draws near to us in Christ. That's what the incarnation is all about. But the post-Christmas question for us is, if God draws near to us, then how will we respond? My suspicion is that most of us are here seeking something, something beyond ourselves. I come to church on a Sunday morning not just to see friends or because it's the right thing to do on a Sunday or in my case because I'm paid to be here. I come to worship on Sundays with the hope and the prayer that I might encounter God, that I might experience something holy, something beyond myself, something that assures me that God's love and mercy and grace are true, and they're for me and they're for you. But being here for all of us is an act of faith. Because Jesus isn't visible for us in the way that he was for the shepherds or the magi or the disciples or the crowd on the road, we can't see Jesus the way they could. So today we get to learn from Bartimaeus, because Bartimaeus couldn't see Jesus either. We don't know a whole lot about Bartimaeus. For those of you who are Bible scholars, we know that he was someone's son, his name, Bartimaeus, isn't actually his name. It's a reminder of his family. Bar is the Hebrew word for son, so Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. And yet, despite being somebody's son, his family is nowhere to be found in this story. We know that Bartimaeus was blind, but that he hadn't always been blind. 
something had happened in his life that had altered his ability to see. And whatever it was, it pushed him out to the margins. He's sitting at the edge of the city of Jericho, a beggar. He spends his life relying on other people's mercy to survive, and he's not afraid to ask for what he needs. Maybe, maybe someone helped make him one of those cardboard signs that says, blind, homeless, hungry, please help. And my guess is that as many people walked by him without seeing him, as those of us who divert our eye contact when we see a panhandler at an intersection on a random Tuesday. Enough people took notice of him that he was able to navigate the world a world that forgets people like him, and we can assume that life was hard. We know one more thing. We know that he knew about Jesus of Nazareth, and he believed somewhere in his heart that Jesus could help him see. Something in his life led him to believe that Jesus would care about him. See, Bartimaeus was a man of faith. Not faith as a series of dogmatic beliefs, but faith as an active trust in a God that loves him and draws near to him. And on that particular day, Bartimaeus got what he had hoped for because Jesus, Jesus was departing Jericho for Jerusalem, and this crowd was passing by. The dirt from their trotting feet was surely getting kicked up into his face as he sat at the edge of the city, and Bartimaeus couldn't see where, but he could hear people talking about Jesus. And they, he, he believed that Jesus was coming closer, that God was somehow drawing near to him. We get this image of faith in action because something in that moment stirred in Bartimaeus's heart. You can imagine the scene, right? Bartimaeus, blind beggar, edge of the city, crying out obnoxiously to a crowd of people, son of David, have mercy on me. It looks like he is just crying out to the crowd. And people tried to silence him, and he doubles down even louder, willing to embarrass himself for the sake of his faith. But his cry appealed to Jesus. On a human level, they were both someone's son, the son of Timaeus crying out to the son of David. And his cry appealed to Jesus because Jesus wasn't just anybody's son. Bartimaeus believed that Jesus was the Messiah. His response put his faith on the line on full display before the crowd, and God showed up. Jesus, who was on his way, who had turned his heart toward Jerusalem and toward the cross, stopped. The God who seeks us in Christ does not pass us by when we seek God in return. And so Jesus called for Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus jumped up with joy, and he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And drawing near to Jesus in faith, he said, my teacher, let me see. 
I have heard this story preached as a miracle story, and it is. Jesus saw Bartimaeus, and because of Bartimaeus' encounter with Jesus, Bartimaeus could see again. I can't explain it. I believe it to be true that the one who came to restore sight to the blind did so before the crowd's very eyes. But in Jesus' own words, the real miracle here was not that Jesus restored Bartimaeus' sight. The real miracle here is that Bartimaeus has faith. Jesus says his faith has made him well. His faith led him to draw near to the God who had drawn near to him. His faith helped him to see and know God. As we kick off a new year and a new sermon series that we're calling Faith Fundamentals, we're going to take on a variety of theological questions right alongside our confirmation class. And today we start at the top with this fundamental question, what is faith? If you were in the faith development class this morning, we asked that very question and we came to no concise definition. But here we go. Hebrews, that Emma read for us this morning, Hebrews says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then the whole next chapter of Hebrews points to the ways that those throughout Scripture, from Abraham to Moses to David and Samuel and the prophets, how they trusted and drew near to God, even when all hope seemed lost, even when they felt forgotten, even when they weren't sure. And in that regard, Bartimaeus is a man of deep faith. But Bartimaeus also knew that faith isn't something that you have, an object that you can stick in your purse or stash in your bedside table and pull out when you need it. Faith is something that you live. It's an active response to God's promises to us. 20th century preacher William Sloan Coffin puts it this way. He says that faith is recognizing that if at Christmas Jesus came to be like us, it was so that we might become more like him. Listen to that again. Faith is recognizing that if at Christmas Jesus became like us, it was so that we might become more like him. Coffin says we know what that, that means. We see it in Scripture. When we watch Jesus heal the sick and empower the poor and scorn the powerful, we see transparently the power of God at work. Watching Zacchaeus climb the tree a crook and come down a saint. Watching Paul set out a hatchet man for the Pharisees and return a fool for Christ. We know, we can believe that our lives too can become channels for divine mercy to flow out and save the lost and suffering. Let me put it a different way. Faith is the conviction that God is always seeking us such that we shape our life so that we are always seeking God. 
That's what Bartimaeus was up to, and that is what church is all about. We begin our faith journey at the font, like Amanda pointed to us this morning. Baptism is this reminder of God's grace that comes to us first, without any requirement for us to respond. We call baptism a sacrament because sacraments are visible signs of an invisible grace. It's that visual reminder for us that God seeks us as we watch the water drip down someone's brow. But baptism is not just God's action. It's also the beginning of our response. Everything that flows from our life together is about shaping our life so that we are seeking the God who is seeking us. And that takes on different looks in, in different stages of life. As children, we hear about the stories of the Bible that show us what God's love looks like. You have to learn it from somewhere. As youth, it becomes about asking real questions and unpacking how our lives might be changed if we choose a relationship with Christ. As adults, it's about shaping our faith with worship and study together, and then trying to reflect that divine mercy and love in our marriages and how we parent our children, how we treat our neighbors who disagree with us and make business decisions and invest our resources and spend our time. For all of us, it's about crying out to God, let me see, with the conviction that God's love and mercy and grace can be made visible as the kingdom of God unfolds out in the world and in our very lives. It is about believing that if at Christmas Jesus came to be like us, it is so that we might shape our lives to be more like him. So this morning... Fourteen of our youth began an intentional time in their faith journey. We call it confirmation in the church. This is a time to learn and question so that you can respond to the gifts of God with your head and with your heart and with your life. And each week, they are going to take on a different question that helps them understand what it means to be a person of faith, a follower of Jesus, and their study will take them into the story of God in Scripture to help them know who God is and who they are. But it's not a journey that they go on alone. Confirmation is a chance to walk alongside other people in faith, not just characters in the Bible, but living, breathing disciples in the congregation like each and every one of you. Each of them has a mentor and their mentors will attend class with them and bring their own questions and doubts and name where God has been at work in their life and why they decided that faith and church matter and probably to eat some donuts along the way. But the thing about confirmation is that the confirmands need every single one of us to join them. Because the truth is that all of us who are trying to be people of faith, we never graduate from confirmation class. To be a person of faith is to put our trust and our hope in things that we cannot always see. And so we're on this journey together. 
In the coming weeks, we're going to take on some big faith questions along with our confirmands because all of us, if we're honest, have questions. And those questions, we hope, will help us to see more fully the love and the grace and the mercy of God. So whether you're a confirmand who's marking uh, one of your church attendance Sundays off your list, I know it's a requirement, or a confirmation mentor who came to kick off Sunday school with them this week, or maybe this is the first time you're hearing that a confirmation class is even a thing, but regardless of where you sit, I have a challenge for you in this season. Make a commitment to seek the God who is seeking you. Show up for worship like you've done this morning or go to the MLK Workday. God has a surprising way of showing up out in the world alongside our mission partners. Attend a Sunday school class or come to Middle Ground so that you have a place to seek with others. Dare to live your faith like Bartimaeus, trusting that God is capable of changing each of our lives willing to look maybe just a little ridiculous for the sake of your faith and with the conviction that Jesus came to be like us so that our lives would look more like his. Because I believe that if we do that together, we will be able to see God. May it be so. Amen.